Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, aka Boilerhawk, aka HD underscore Star. Joining me, as always, is Ben Ross, aka Harmon Chillabrew. What's up, Ben? Oh, you know, uh, what is it? Feet are on the ground, head is in the sky, riding high. Another Hawkeye victory. It's hard to say another because <laughs> they're they're one and one their last two games, but. You know, take yeah, we're back in the top five, so you gotta take life as it comes, right? Them's the breaks. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're gonna get to it in a little bit, but I mean, if anyone is not riding high right now, I I don't know if I want to be associated with them. Basketball's in the best shape it's been in March since literally 1956, which is a statistic that. Still blows my mind. Hopefully, I'll have I'll be able to figure it out in fifteen minutes when we get to that discussion. But man, good I'm times. Definitely, I'm definitely gonna make you show your work there, without question. My work, it was. I, I guess I'm just stealing it from from Doctorman. It was the the huge thing early. So okay, whatever, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but Ben, how is the dry heat in the golf treating you? I know, I know, you sent me a text earlier this week. I kind of want to dive into that. Dry, the dry, my, my hands, I will, you can't really tell, they are covered in lotion. My skin, <laughs> my skin is so dry. It is uncomfortable. I go to bed in discomfort. It is unbelievable. I already, I think part of it is I have sensitive skin to begin with. I put on Vaseline on my lips three times a day and it does nothing. <laughs> it does nothing. Um, my lips have been uncomfortable since I've been here, but uh, and on top of that, all that, the golf game is horrific. So bad. We shot, but we're still getting out to play golf. We shot a, <clears throat> we slunk out of the office a little early this afternoon. Don't tell my boss. We, and we were, we were able to get, we were able to squeeze 18 in. I can't believe it. Shot a 99. Uh, please don't follow me on the grint because it is, it's not very good. But, you know, it's uh, better than not playing golf. So can't complain too much. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, I think the the funny thing to me is the dry skin, right? Because having, and I hate to do the the comparing comparison of an adult man to a baby, but the the skincare regimen of my child is unbelievable. The amount of Aquaphor we put on his entire body, and then that's what I used uh, to. Yep, and then it's like there's an Equifil for like potential eczema. It's like. Man, this this kid is being treated like a king, and, and I think that, uh, man, I can't imagine doing that. Although I did do it today because I got I got a little, I got some dry uh, back arm situations going on, and I think it helped a little bit. But I can't imagine being dry all the time. It is like I am dry on parts of my body that like didn't under. I mean, I guess it makes sense now, but it's like okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I guess I guess I guess every time I f- like stretch my shoulders my shoulder blades the skin it cracks and it bleeds it's like 
I'm like, I'm like a goddamn, sorry, too much information. I'm like a goddamn salamander or a reptile with just scales. I've got scales now. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, I guess we'll have to figure that out. I'm glad we got this out early. So anyone who listens to like the first five minutes is like, nah, screw these guys, but maybe they're into skincare and they can help you out. This is therapeutic. This is more therapeutic than any lotion I've been able to find is just talking, uh, talking it out with you. Well, that that's great. That's great. Um, my weekend was funny because we're we've watched like totally average movies. The the Little Things movie on HBO Max. We watched that a couple weeks ago, and then we watched I Care a Lot, um, which Rosamund Pike won a Golden Globe for. A totally average movie. Totally average movie. And there's milk discourse in it, Ben. There's a moment. No way, really. There's a moment where she loses a tooth. She goes into a convenience store, gets a half gallon of milk, and I, I don't know how, but there's like an inch gone from it. She drops her tooth into the milk, and then it cuts later in probably like within the next ninety seconds, and she's holding a half full half gallon of milk. So it's something that only I would have noticed because of the milk discourse we've had on this podcast, but we're led to believe that she put a bloody tooth in a half gallon of milk and still drank some of the milk. Alex Gookin would be so proud. That's that is infuriating. Um, I watched, you know, my parents watched Nomadland. That oh was, yeah. When, that one best director. Um, no, 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 no milk in that because they don't have refrigeration. So no, no dairy, <laughs> no dairy was, uh, harmed in the making of that film. Uh, it was good, you know, uh, very much Oscar bait is how I'd recommend it or how I'd describe it, I guess. I mean, isn't that kind of just what Frances McDormand does now? I mean, that, that's not a shot at her. She's a great actor. So it feels like everything that she's in is nominated in, some form or fashion. When you're married to a Cohen brother, I don't know which one. They're both they're both the same as far as I'm concerned. Wait, but, she's married to a Cohen? Mm-hmm. She's married to one of them. Their very first she was their she was the actress actor in their very first movie, Blood Simple, in like nineteen eighty uh... nineteen eighty one. Great little pulp film. Uh, if you're looking for something out of the box to watch, couldn't recommend it more. And she must be in of all their if they've done like a dozen movies she must be in an eight of them i bet ah yeah i knew she'd been in like because burn after reading um and fargo of course i mean there's nothing better than that role like there is but it's just so iconic i remember it all the time she's in raising arizona which is my hot take the worst i mean the worst of the acclaimed Coen Brothers films. I I don't really I don't get the appeal around Raising Arizona. Just not for me. I, I'm not sure I've seen that one. The one that I saw that I was like, eh, take it or leave it was uh, a serious man. That was the one that was like, oh no, that's my favorite one. Uh, maybe it, it, it was just maybe a little too dry. Um, it is so dry. It is so Minnesota. It is so Jewish. Yeah which I'm from Minnesota, Jewish family, <laughs> dry humor. It, it checks all my boxes. That, that might have been it. It might have just m- missed it with me. Because the, the one I, I thought that I liked, but maybe a little too long, was Hail Caesar, just because J- 
George Clooney. Uh, I don't know. There, there's just something about that guy. Kelsey's is really good. Another a deep cut is Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Um, with Danny DeVito, I really. What was the other one that I always really liked? Um, Inside Lewin Davis is another really good one. Yes. Um, that I actually was listening to Spotify and one of the songs from that soundtrack came up uh, just this week. Actually, it uh, it came up again too. Lately, I've been, did I mention last week, I'm watching things on Netflix to fall asleep to on purpose. You did not bring this up, but okay. go on. So I discovered the Bob Dylan documentary that Scorsese directed and it's three and a half hours long. I couldn't care less for Bob Dylan. I do not get. I don't want to get. I don't want to get into my Bob. I don't want to get in. I don't want to get into my Bob Dylan takes. But I couldn't care. Uh, couldn't care less for him. And uh, I was like, this is going to put me to bed. And I was right. Uh, Thirty. I, I'm watching it in thirty minute snippets. <laughs> so I'm like ninety minutes into a three hour documentary right now, and I'm. Uh, and one of the Inside Lewin Davis is basically loosely based off of uh, this really obscure folk singer named, I think it's Dave, Dave Van Rock or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he comes up in, in this documentary. And I like, I kind of thought he was fake for some reason, uh, based off the research I remember doing following my first viewing of Inside Lewin Davis. But then I was like, oh, it was the little bit of the Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the TV. It's like, I know, <laughs> I know who that is. Um, but it's actually, it's funny. And I'm going to stop with my Bob Dylan takes here. It's like, it's making me disrespect Bob Dylan even more. Like I do not, <laughs> I do not like, even after watching these live, these live sets of him in London, it's like, who would pay money to see this? I just don't get it. Oh, brutal. Bro. I, I'll, I'll cut you off from from digging your hole with any Bob Dylan stands that it feels like that might be a weird overlap. But anyways, I, I respect your decision to go out and search for things that you know will put yourself to sleep instead of the the thing that happens with me, and, and I think a lot of people is you end up finding something that you actually like or are curious enough about that you stay up late watching. Like I've mentioned before on the podcast, like West wing has become what, what I've done. And I have to be conscious not to let it go on past 12 o'clock because it's interesting enough. And I don't know. I I respect you finding something that this thing is going to put me to sleep in 15 to 30 minutes. And I'm going to watch it until it's over because this is three and a half hours long. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm gonna finish where I started. It's, uh, it's. I mean, I think I've mentioned it, that I used to just watch cooking videos to fill that void, mm. but now I think I've come become to the point where it's like now I really want to make these recipes, so I'm just rewatching them <laughs> when I'm <laughs> when I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more lucid, and then like taking notes because a lot of times the recipes are then behind a paywall, even though like you can get the recipe for free if you watch the whole video, but if to just have it written, but so you have to you basically have to do the work yourself. It's kind of it's kind of like you know being in a classroom, I guess. Mm. Like you have to take the notes, you have to do your homework in order to reap the rewards. But uh, I mean, it's fine. Uh, West Wing, I need to give it a, another chance. I will say I've given it two separate occasions. It, yeah. I, I'm not going to sell it. 
Like if if you, you try it to. twice, you shouldn't, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to sell it. Like it's I know what it is. Well, I know, I know, but I, I think if you've gone, if you started it twice and you've stopped, because I, I'm at kind of the same impasse with Peaky Blinders. I've gone through probably the first season and a half a couple of times, and I guess I just get a one track mindset with TV shows and I've, I'm already on this one track with West wing and Peaky blinders ends up being interesting enough that Christina wants to watch. So then we all have to line up our calendars. It's the midst of my favorite sports season. Um, so it's impossible to like really get into something new and not feel like an asshole for going through it without my wife, I guess. I'm spinning a circle, but if you know, if you, if you've been through West Wing twice or started it twice, I think you probably know that maybe it's just not for you. It's funny because Peaky, I, I mean, I like Peaky. I think season one is without question the best season though. So if you're even struggling with that, then you're not going to like how it goes. The problem I have with the West Wing and to, obviously it doesn't bug you as much. It's like, it just feels, it is so nineties. I just have it's so weird because I don't have that problem with other eras of media. Like I'm watching other TV shows or movies that are from the 80s or the 70s or even the 60s. But whatever it is, for whatever reason, if it's something's from the 90s, I just have a really tough time. Like I was trying to rewatch Clueless the other day, and don't ask me why. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't it's just not, not, not for me. I, I think I know what it is. Like, I think it, they do too much warm coloring on the lenses, a lot of natural light. And when it's, I, I think that's probably the type of thing that when they do it in like the 2020s now, it comes through crisper versus just feeling like nostalgic. Like it, it when you think about, oh, they made it in the 2000s to feel nostalgic in a way. So is nostalgia on nostalgia, like a hat on a hat with a joke? I think that that might be it because Christina's watched me watch it a couple of times and she's noticed this is just filmed in a really weird way. And that just might be it. I guess I'm trying to think of, but I do like, you know, isn't, um, Twin Peaks is kind of from that same era, isn't it? Or is it is Twin Peaks 80s? Twin Peaks is early 90s. Because, I mean, I don't have a problem with Twin Peaks, and I'd say it's kind of shot in a similar way, if you could compare Fincher to Sorkin. But, um, it's so much weirder, though. Yeah, I guess that's part of the appeal, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that was a fun shoot in the breeze. Before we get on to basketball discussion, though, Ben, we have our offensive line coaching search update. We need what to, is the news? We need to figure out some type of music for this. Um, I, I'm just here to take my medicine, as I couldn't be more wrong on the offensive <laughs> oh, line. Oh, I'm there with you. Like I am shocked that we don't have an offensive uh, new offensive line coach named yet, and I'm even more shocked to learn that we are still Iowa is uh, is still actively interviewing candidates. Per Tom Cackert today, uh, current Temple offensive line coach Joe Tripodi is on campus for his interview with Tulane offensive line coach George Barnett uh, waiting in the wings. So I'm assuming one of those two uh, will be our next offensive line coach. I trust Cackert's reporting. A little bit surprised the guy from Houston isn't in the mix. What was his name? Mike Devlin. 
Yeah. What was the second name you said? I, I missed that. Uh, George Barnett from Tulane. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what it looks like is they're either going to the well with a former NIU guy and that area, or or if they get this guy from Tulane in the south, then they'll, they might go a different direction with the running back coach in terms of what region he comes from. But it's almost like the clock's kind of coming down to it. March 31st is um, when, when their uh, spring practice starts. So this will be interesting to see how, how much time ahead of it is. But I, I think Iowa could probably make it work with the guys they have. Well, Polisek was hired relatively late, wasn't he? No, I mean, not. I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't think it's always a one-to-one comparison. It's also interesting, I guess, the way the media structure of this certain position. It's like we have all this fodder and chatter about offensive line coach, but don't know a goddamn thing about running backs coach. And I think part of it is because they we just the media us just care less. I guess. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I will say. Um, and I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not going to, well, I'll just say it now because I don't, I think this is just a random thought. I don't think it has anything to do with the current situation. When I was covering the team as a student reporter, the running backs coach, and I don't want to say his name, you can figure out who it was on your own, seemed like the dumbest person in that. (laughs) It seemed like not only the dumbest, but the most, the most underqualified person on the staff too. Um, I would like. I'll, I'm gonna look up his Wikipedia uh, when you're on your when you're when you're dissecting your next basketball moment. Um, but he, I just uh, and he was gone pretty shortly after um, for one reason or another. But it just didn't. Uh, it just feels like maybe then for my point, broad point of this whole thing is maybe that the coaching staff places a less emphasis, lesser emphasis on that position uh, too. So maybe just fewer leaks get out or whatever. But at the same time, I don't want to diminish. Um, Derek Foster, Derek Foster either because I think he was a fantastic coach and a great recruiter. So, yeah, I, I think the the way to reframe that is Foster was Iowa's, and this I think was something that Document reported. He was Iowa's go to midweek recruiter. So the fact that and like I, Tyler Goodson, how much coaching does he really need? I think that's part of this, right? Is like Derek Foster is someone who could, hey, we need you to be in Atlanta tomorrow. Pack your bags. We'll make do without you at practice tomorrow. We'll see you on Thursday. And that's just the way it works. And maybe that's kind of just the the type of skill set they want from their running back coach. And that's what they're looking for when kind of everything else shakes out they'll find a guy who fits the culture like Foster did, who's certainly competent and who can be the guy who can go out and do any midweek scouting like Foster did. So um, I I guess that's the the coaching staff update. I would just like to vindicate myself right now is the the Iowa running backs coach, (laughs) former running backs coach in question is now the wide receivers coach at one of the historically worst college football programs of all time. And there you have it. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) 
So, Ben, um, we did not do an instant recap podcast last night. Um, and I think part of it was just it, it felt so good. Um, but also the timing element and having done one before um, with Michigan. We are an ostensibly Iowa podcast. And I joked when we were doing the post game uh, of the Michigan game that we were just tooting the horn of Michigan because that was really my main takeaway. And seeing the result of the Iowa-Ohio State game and seeing the way that the rankings shook out. It, Iowa top five team for the first time since 1956 in the month of March. This is March. Um, that was something first found by Dr. And I have some other things to, to get into about that a little bit later. But, man, like – what a win that was and what a response it was from a team that lost one of their very valued um, bench role players in Jack Nunji. And um, to me, it was Iowa's best game of the year, hands down. Not only the best game of the year. I mean, I'm hard pressed to find a better, obviously recency bias, but like what was a better game I was played that you've seen um, the UNC game from with Woodbury and Gazelle comes to mind. Um, like really what else? I mean that NIT run, but I don't even want to put that in the same realm. Um, like what, what, what can you, re- can you remember? Like a, just, I haven't seen, I look this good against a, a top competition and I can't remember uh, up the front era. I'm sure we could find something if we pulled out the schedule, but uh, I mean, the 2014 December, last time we beat Ohio State in Columbus with the Aaron White game. Uh, that was another really great one, too. What was Ohio State ranked in that one? Ooh, I'm not sure they were ranked quite as highly. Um, I can find that quick, though. Yeah, that was definitely that was an Aaron Kraft. I don't think D'Angelo Russell, was he wasn't uh, on that team, but. It was definitely an Aaron Craft, uh, Aaron Craft game and an Aaron White homecoming of sorts, and <clears throat> that was an exciting one that I can remember too. Yeah, that was eighty four um, seventy four. Ohio State was fifteen and one at the time. They were. I don't have the ranking, but they were. I guess. Uh, let me redo this. They were. They were number two in Ken Palm at the time, and Iowa beat them by ten. I mean that that. If they're fifteen and one, they're definitely top five, right? In December, yeah, Yeah, I'm sure they were. Yeah, and the other, I mean, just to me, I think some of this, it's like, when has Iowa been as complete as that? And from offense, the defense was freaking locked in. Um, Iowa's offense looked clean. They're they were getting it a number of ways. I, I was most encouraged by kind of the transition offense. I know um, Hawkeyes had that tweet about how he was still thinking about the Keegan Murray layup from Weiss camp. And that felt very emblematic of just the game that Iowa had um, to play as cleanly as they did against a top five team. I don't care what criticisms exist of Ohio state, but in my opinion, there is that tier below um, Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, that Baylor might be in now because of their COVID pause, where all those teams can beat each other. 
and it depends on who has it on what night. And Iowa did, and Ohio State didn't. I, I'm just um, – it, it is kind of a, a game of one. I would probably just put the NCAA tournament games above it because those games kind of matter. And in a way, I would almost put that uh, – the second half of the Tennessee game in 2019 as the I best Iowa – as the best I've seen Iowa play in, um, you know, my time as an Iowa fan. But uh, ultimately, yeah, you, you go into a top five team's house and you beat them the way that they did uh, without anything weird happening. Um, I think maybe a comparison might be IU coming in and beating Iowa the way they did. But Frederick was unavailable for large stretches of that game. And I think that, very much played a role in how Iowa performed that day. So um, one of the, one of the best wins of the Big Ten season, in my opinion, and for all Big Ten teams, maybe the best Big Ten win is probably that this has kind of made some hay in the comments is Minnesota's win over Michigan. And, and then maybe Iowa's win over Ohio State is kind of that, that next game. Uh, I will say I texted a my a diehard Minnesota basketball friend this morning and said, "Who do you want to replace Richard Pitino?" <laughs> and and he said, and he said John Beeline. And I was oh like, no, going to Minneapolis, you, you idiot. Um. Anyway, I don't want to spend any more time talking about the Minnesota Gophers. Uh, I you mentioned you know nothing weird happened in the Iowa Ohio State game. Uh, you're wrong. Uh, Fran only played eight guys. He tightened up the rotation. And Joe Toussaint played 14 minutes. So, yes, that was weird. <laughs> um, no, I don't want to beat that beat that drum any longer, even though we will. It's, it was just wire to wire. Uh, was it even a wire to wire winner at Ohio State in the first few baskets? Um, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, Essentially wire to wire. Iowa went up 5-2. I don't want to, like, piss anybody's Cheerios, I guess. But it seems like... Um, we just caught Ohio State at the right time. But Iowa went up five two, and then it was wire to wire from that. Uh, I think the the an overall theme in the comments of the recap I wrote was like we just caught Ohio State, um, at a good time, which I, I do believe that happened. They just uh they just played a really t- tough game against Michigan State, um, and they kind of I mean I'll be honest here they had the I guess a luxury I guess of of, of losing this game so to speak I know. A one seed might have been on the line for them, but who knows how true that is. It's, um, I, don't, I mean, they just didn't look good. They look very flat. And, you know, now <laughs> it's just, you know, Big Ten basketball. And that's that's best exemplified by over tonight when uh, Rutgers has just got trounced by a Nebraska team whose player, whose best player quit earlier this morning, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so like... Who knows, man? Big Ten, rock fights, blood and spiders, march, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, everything comes into play when when you're looking at Big Ten games. And I think you look back at even Iowa's four losses in five-game stretch. And, yeah, that, that was without C.J. Frederick. And it snowballed in a way that was frustrating, but... You look back at it, and it was two losses to IU in which Frederick was out, 
And in the second one, Luca Garza got his second foul with 12 minutes left and had his feet nailed to the bench, um, which hopefully that dies as these games ramp up in importance. And then you have two losses to top 10 teams in Illinois and Ohio State. And as we've kind of found out, there's not much shame in losing those games. Uh, There certainly wasn't any concern about Iowa losing that Michigan game. And when you can show a resilience that, that I think Iowa has shown in a unique way for Iowa this year over the Fran years, um, it's, it's encouraging as an Iowa fan to see the way that they bounce back with their full consortium of players, short Jack Nungy. I, I think um, it always feels weird to have those discussions about a, a kid who's um, struggled through what he has and then flip side it and be like, oh, maybe I was better without him. I was not better without him. But I think without him, it gives Fran less options and it makes Iowa potentially better in the sense that um, Luca Garza has to play more if, if it's simply as simple as that. As someone in advertising, I know all about the fear of choice paralysis um, in the marketing realm. And uh, I hadn't even thought about it until now you just brought it up. And it's like, you know, it forces Fran's hand to do something creative that he probably hadn't thought of before. And it definitely worked uh, for this game uh, because, you know, I guess Ohio State didn't know what Fran was going to do and how they were going to handle the minutes distribution and everything like that. And, um, you know, the, the, the I think it certainly changed up Iowa's defense too for, you know, uh, for when they were going smaller. And, um, it's it caught them off guard. Obviously, now teams have that on tape, but it it just came, you know, it's absolutely not like a Ewing theory or anything like that. Um, and the other thing about it too is, it, I I didn't even really think about it until I read in the comments today. Is like part of the Michigan game looks so bad is because I think you know Iowa's players got dejected when they saw Nunji get onto the bench and crutches in the Michigan game. Whereas now it's like, all right, we're, we're doing this for Jack. Um, he's, you know, we don't have him now. We got to, everybody has to step up. I think it's a little bit of a fire in the belly situation for this team. And it's obviously, you know, I'm not glad about what happened to Jack, but um, I'm glad to see how this team has been responding or at least responded against Ohio state. Yeah. I- I said my immediate takeaway was that was just kind of a a veteran performance that I had expected for a lot of this season. And it's impossible to ask that of, of kids in a year like this, but to see Iowa play um, six really good defensive games over the last seven games, um, two of them being losses, the, the Michigan game being the worst defensive game, and a team who is uniquely capable of picking the scab at Iowa, especially if they've um, gone going a little sideways from a an emotional standpoint. And then IU, just that game again. Um, the defense is 
playing good basketball at the right time. And it stinks that this didn't happen sooner, but I'm also kind of coming to grips with what would it really have looked like if the defense had been playing this way the whole time? Maybe you see a couple games go the other direction. The, The only one that really sticks out in my mind is that first Minnesota game. If Iowa had come in locked in defensively, that's the only game I'd be willing to flip. And in the grand scheme of things, if Iowa wins these next two games, it's kind of irrelevant that Minnesota result because um, they're, uh, it, it wouldn't have moved Iowa up, up or down because um, it, it just it's what it is. I, I've come to terms with the fact that Michigan has played elite basketball and Illinois has played enough really really good basketball to be ahead of Iowa in the standings. And if Iowa's third, that feels like the right place for them in the Big Ten standings. And they have a path to a one seed. This time, If you told me at the beginning of the year, Iowa will have a path to a one seed in the NCAA tournament in March, sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without question. The only thing I might argue, too, on the defense thing, I think the Illinois game might flip, too, because what, didn't Illinois score like 14 points in the last like three minutes or something ridiculous like that. Fair point. Um, yeah, but it's so, on. I mean, we can't really compare Illinois to Minnesota. I mean, without question, that's you're right on that. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think that we're also over overselling how many Fran haters or Iowa haters are too. I just think we're choosing to. It's sort of a bit of an echo chamber. We're choosing to give the the the. Um, the trolls. I don't think they're they're not trolls, but for lack of a better term, we're choosing to give them a microphone. Um, and you kind of set up set up set it better best. Is like if you told me Iowa has a chance to be a one seed in March, even though it is March first. So let's let's wait. Maybe let's maybe wait. Let's wait six. Let's wait six or seven more days uh, before we have this conversation. Um, you signed me up, but at the same time, sort of what you expected with the preseason rankings and the preseason player of the year is going to end up being. Yeah, player of the year. So I mean, I think that's that's a lock, right? I mean, I think that's that without question is going to be a lock now, especially with Dosum New going down. Yeah, I think that's exactly the case, especially. And this might be something that hurts Dosun Mu is the fact that um, Illinois won the two games without him. So if there's anyone who's like, ah, well, you know, if there's any reason for someone to have previously been on the Desunmu for um, player of the year perspective. And then he now sees Illinois pull, you know, two W's without Desunmu. Maybe they're like, ah, you know what? Maybe it is Garza who's the more important player. Um, but yeah, I Talk mean. Talk about Ewing theory. As yeah. we had the discussion. I, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, no, as, as we mm-hmm. had the discussion, I think it was last week or the week before, um, it, it the betting markets were always in Garza's favor and continue to be in Garza's favor. So I don't think it was ever really a serious discussion, but what, um, what he did against Ohio state, he just completely controlled it. He had, uh, I think one or two really great assists. Um, and it, it shows you that you need to be uniquely suited to stop him. Like Hunter Dickinson is, um, and then 
then it's uh, uh, there aren't many guys who can do that. So um, I think he he saved himself, um, not saved himself, but I think it, it's locked up barring complete catastrophe over the next call it th- two or three games. I mean, even complete catastrophe, I think they're probably going to give it to him just because, <clears throat> I mean, Garza's the most lovable player of the year. Like, I can remember. Like, if you don't like Luka Garza, like, I mean, we try not to swear on here, but fuck you. Like, there is, <laughs> there's, like, he's not a dirty, he's not a, he's not a dirty player. He's got great eyebrows. Um, his dad is becoming sort of like a, a figure in his own right for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> just everything. I mean, there's nothing bad to say about him, really. Um, he's, you know, he's not like a Duke, a, a Duke type player where he's always he's flopping or complaining or anything like that. He's just, uh, you know, the hardest working player on the court for 40 minutes. And that that's just I mean if you can't get behind that I after the game yesterday I was looking to find if you're actually listening to this uh, tell me where I can buy an Iowa script basketball jersey I was looking to find one online and I can't unless it's on eBay but I want the number fifty five on it so I get at me in the comments if we can figure that out yeah one it's thirty seven minutes too late but that was a hell of a headline that you had yesterday flip the scripts something that went way over my head for a solid uh, day. Um, just a, a fantastic one that, that I pulled out. And yeah, I, I think uh, Luca Garza is the only um, player I would ever consider who is younger than me buying a jersey of because he is an all-timer. Without question. He is um, – he has shown what it – like – I just can't get over the fact that he he and Iowa have met expectations. Like you take a, a broad look at it, and I know there's peaks and valleys to the season. But as I alluded to before, Iowa's got a chance. They're very likely to be a two seed, chance to be a one seed. Could dip to a three. We'll see. And Garza was the front runner for National Player of the Year, and he played like the National Player of the Year pretty much every game. And the fact that as an Iowa sports fan, I know there's high anxiety because we're not in this position often. But the fact that, broadly speaking, Iowa met expectations this regular season, it it just blows my mind. I'm kind of over the moon about it because this is the spot we would have largely taken them to be at the beginning of the season. And the fact that they're there now um, – it gives them one just – you don't hang banners for getting the double buy in the Big Ten tournament. But it is a notable thing because Iowa hasn't had it um, in the five, the eight or nine years that Rutgers and Maryland have made it 14 teams. And it's going to end up being the highest that Iowa's ever been seeded in the conference tournament, I think, since 2006. So we're in – significant territory from a recent history perspective. And then we'll get to the kind of the the bigger history pieces, but it's, I'm just, it it feels good to be in the spot where Iowa is right now. And I think that the win against Ohio state, do we overrate the, the naysayers? Like you said, I think maybe a little bit, but broadly speaking, I think the sentiment is, 
largely pretty positive from Iowa fans right now with uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin ahead of them. And when, uh, when you say like Iowa's met preseason expectations, are you prepared? You don't count the Big Ten tournament as a part of that. Or, yeah, the Big uh, Ten tournament is regular reg, regular season. Excuse me, regular regular season. Yeah, so to, people wanted a challenge for the conference title, and I think that right. that is a fair goal to have. But there's also Iowa hadn't done that in forty years. So you have mm-hmm. to have the proper perspective on what a Big Ten title would mean in the context of Iowa basketball. And it it was a high goal within the context of Iowa basketball. The fact that they didn't mean it, meet it doesn't mean it was unsuccessful. I think the fact that comparison is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I saw this random tweet where um, Wisconsin was – top five within a week of the season. And they're on the edge of the top 25 now. I think that's probably what a lot of Iowa fans were geared up against was, oh, we're going to have this wonky season. We're going to end up barely in the top 25. We're barely going to make it to the Sweet 16. We might win a game or two. Like just this complete Eeyore outlook. And yes, of course, that is still a possibility. I'm not going to say it isn't. But I think that when you look at two similarly sentimented teams from a preseason perspective, I, Iowa was top five coming in the season. They're top five now. <laughs> How many teams can you say that about? You can say that about uh, Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois, and Iowa. And it, I, I, I'm just blown away by that happening because as an Iowa fan, you look at past football seasons, and that's always – you know, they have high expectations and they, they don't meet them. You look at basketball and it's always a, a high riser, whether it's 2014 or 2016. And they the water finds its level um, for better or for worse. This is the first time where I always had high expectations in my lifetime and has largely met them through the regular season. It's all going to come down to the tournament, which is horrible but it's what it is and everyone knows that so I think that that's why everyone continues to be a little high high anxiety but I always put themselves in a position where they they'll get a 14 or 15 seed and then they'll get a team that has to play Luca Garza on short rest if Iowa wins that first game I feel good about that so you're talking one of those guys who who said that it should, that the that all that matters is the NCAA tournament run. Yeah, um, who cares really about the regular season tournament? So I mean that I make that point well known just about every time we've gotten on this podcast this season. Yeah, you, you've been there. Um, you've been there. So I, I apologize for there. not giving you the credit at the the front end of it. Well, I don't. I don't think I deserve any credit. I just would like to be. <laughs> I don't want credit. I don't want credit. I want acknowledgement. I acknowledge um, that you were there the whole time. Yeah, uh, I guess another thing too. So the double buy like situation. It just kind of. I don't know. All, all I really care about is I. I just want to. I don't even know. I don't care about a rematch with Michigan. I want a rematch against Illinois, and I want to assume new in there. <laughs> like I just really, and I feel like that. 
I like one one more potentially two more Q one quadrant one wins for this Iowa team going going into the year. I would like I just don't want to get to the postseason ass backward or ass forward rather. Um, we just need I think to ride this momentum the rest of the way, and it's just you know two like you said earlier you know two really two look ahead games in a row between Nebraska and Wisconsin uh, looking ahead to. Uh, big, uh, big Ten tourney time. Yeah, I, I think you you properly framed kind of the the Nebraska Rutgers game uh, earlier, and I think that's kind of a good thing for Iowa to see that Nebraska's won a couple games of late. Um, not to be totally guard down on it, and then if there's a senior day, I know I always had trouble in senior days past years, but if there's a senior day, I trust them to bring home the goods. It's for Luca fricking Garza. Um, and I think it's because he's a very good matchup what? against Nate Reavers and, and Micah Potter and Iowa just does not like this Wisconsin team. I think they genuinely hate the Illinois team, but they don't like the Wisconsin team. And I feel as good I, as I could about these next two games as possible. Um, just because of the way I was played. And I, I feel like this has been a bit that's gotten, we've kind of skated by during the football season where we've had kind of this not so guarded optimism uh, about the, the game ahead. Um, I'm right there right now with this basketball team. And I share your perspective. I want Illinois again. I mean, throw some respect on Jordan Bohannon's name too for senior night. You're right. You're right. Though, you know, yeah. The, New assists record holder, and I mean, both of his brothers played for Wisconsin. Um, two of his three brothers. Know, I have to, I have to fact check you there on that quick. Two of his three. Okay, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> the other one, where the other one played at UNI. Yeah, right? Matt. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I would just like to mention uh, his game again. He did all the like little things, and he, I guess he. He's never been called out for doing before. He he was driving to the hoop. Maybe he wasn't great at doing that, but he was good. He's just distributing the ball. I I don't know. He just kind of looks like he's, and I actually do want to talk about this too a little bit. He's hunting for shots less uh, than you know typical Jordan Bohannon does. And in that same vein, it's like I feel I feel like CJ Frederick uh, needs to do that a little bit more too. He or he he was. He missed two really good looks. He just passed up on them. C.J. Frederick did that as in an early possession against Ohio State. And, I mean, I guess we didn't need him to because we had Wieskamp and Garza were playing out of their freaking minds uh, shooting-wise that game. But it's like we're seeing, I guess, players adjust their roles on this team in stride, which is another thing I guess we haven't really seen out of the, out of an Iowa coach team before. It's like um, and maybe it's part of it too is Connor McCaffrey isn't 100% either. So Jordan Bohannon really has to play like a true point guard, uh, which he hasn't had to do for two or three years. So it's um, it's just, you know, fun to see this team learn on the fly, I guess. Yeah, I think Jordan Bohannon, he's, he's skilled because he – you're right. It, to me, it was a very little things performance from him against Ohio State. He's had those in the past. He's leaned into being a true point guard when he can be um, and when it kind of leans towards that. But 
his ability to shoot the ball is going to be what defines him. And I think maybe that's unfair because he is the assist king now and um, might be for a long time. I mean, it was what it was Horner for 15 years. So, you know, I'm encouraged by the way he's played of late because yeah, he's going to shoot the transition three every now and then, but it feels like he's found the right kind of, uh, you don't need to do that when you're down. If you're up seven, eight, nine points, that's an, that's a huge momentum swing to turn it into a double digit game, pull it. But he's, he's been much more constrained from at least it feels stylistic perspective. And yeah, I wrote my, my piece on Iowa. I just, this team just needs to shoot more is kind of my general perspective on a lot of this. And CJ Frederick is the number one offender of not shooting enough. But like you said, when you have Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp playing incredible basketball, it's easy to um, not shoot because you have guys like that, that are playing as good as, as, as good as any tandem has. Um, I, I think during France time, I, I was always had kind of, one guy or another guy playing very well. I think maybe the the best example of two guys playing really good at the same time was probably Peter Jock and Jared Utoff. But behind them, there was very little offense. To have the offense behind Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp that exists right now, it is generational. Um, what What this offense is and what it's becoming. So um, I have my qualms about some of the things Fran's done, but broadly speaking, it's just, I just come back to having expectations met with two games to go. It, it's hard to have a credible um, argument against this season. Fun fact, Jordan Bohannon's first assist at Iowa went to Peter Jock. Um, I don't know if I agree with that Peter Jock-Utah comparison. I mean, what about Aaron White and Dev Marble or like even Gazelle and Marble or somebody like that, I guess. Because I feel like when Jock was playing with Utah, Jock wasn't at his best. But he, I mean, he still was a really good shooter. Yeah, so my, the reason I say Jock is he had some – down the stretch, and I, I think my point is like largely, Iowa's always had the, the great number one option and not necessarily had a supreme number two option like Joe Wieskamp is now. Joe Wieskamp. I guess are you, talk, are you talking purely from three point shooting, I guess? Just a, as the number two offensive player on, on a basketball okay. team. So, I, I mean, I think you could probably argue some earlier iterations of kind of this core. But to me, to have the shooters that Utah and Jock were, um, and and I think Jock ended up averaging close to 16 points that season. So um, that that would be the most recent, the closest pair that that could resemble anything that that Garza and, and Wieskamp are doing right now. 
Yeah, dumb, dumb nit, to, not dumb nit to pick on my end. I think. No, it's fair. It's fair. Gotta keep you honest. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, like, where do you see kind of the, this next week going? I think I've telegraphed my my opinion of it a little too much. But um, are you as optimistic as me? I mean, yeah, I think anything other than two and zero is a complete and utter failure. One and one is a, I think, a huge disappointment, and zero and two is a disaster. Honestly, like I don't think I don't think that's an overreaction or an embellishment or me trying to get clicks. It's like you you, you can't go zero and two. You'll lose the one seed. You'll lose a double buy. I mean. What would, what would that drop us to? Maybe a, a five or a six seed, or even maybe even seven seed. Oh no, I no, was not no, going that not, far. Not a seven, not a seven, but like a five or a six. Um, so just a single buy, I guess. But and obviously, you you just have to go two and zero, especially with. I think now I'm kind of getting on board with it's good. Nebraska just blew the socks off of Rutgers because now Iowa won't be uh, looking ahead to that game. Who does Wisconsin have before they play Iowa? this week oh they have Purdue because I because this is a discussion I want to have um probably Purdue's in kind of coming out of nowhere they're a dark horse yeah Purdue's awesome like I, I want to have the discussion about uh, we don't have the time here but like who who do you cheer for when you're not cheering for Iowa in the Big Ten because I, I have my my list of probably three teams when we look at the NCAA tournament that'll that'll win, that'll be when we discuss that so c- come back in a couple weeks but yeah, I mean Iowa has to Iowa has to go two and zero because you know, maybe at the time this this podcast is released, Wisconsin would have beat Purdue, and it gives Iowa just the the beat Nebraska, and um, you've got the three seed scenario. But to me, yeah, you, you nailed it pretty well. Two and zero is more or less the expectation. One one is disappointing and. Oh, and two is, as I said, I think earlier, it, it would be a catastrophe, a disaster, uh, whatever a combination of those two words would be. It would be so disappointing. A sham mockery. Travis sham mockery. What? Yeah. Yep. Of whatever, of, of the goodwill I would just built up and it's one win against Ohio State. What, and I think the thing that's encouraging, though, is... Y- You've really only seen Iowa lose to teams without C.J. Frederick. And Nebraska is more in line with the teams that Iowa played in the non-conference than any team they've played since then. So a loss would be 100% disappointing, but we've also seen Iowa play very well against teams in they're 92 now, but like you look at what Iowa did to Iowa State, even what they did to Northwestern Michigan State's 62nd. Um, the worst, the worst loss Iowa has right now, according to Ken Palm, is that that road loss at Minnesota, and we can uh, talk about that more. But to me, Nebraska Why? at home is not the same as Minnesota on the road. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't. We don't have to talk about the Minnesota loss anymore. Um, so this game is at Nebraska. What is Nebraska in the Big Ten right now? Twelfth. Uh, I think they're still fourteenth. Yeah, fourteenth. Are fourteenth? Yeah, 
Yeah. So, okay. The only team there um, within spitting distance of is uh, Northwestern, who is four and thirteen. So we could have a riveting game on Sunday, which dictates who is the fourteenth seed and who is the thirteenth seed. Sign me up for that game. Oh, I mean, what I just saw that uh, spring training for baseball is a mercy rule this year. Mm. Um, why, why not? Why, why not adopt that? Well, this is the this is the case for the Elam ending in, in a way. Um, what, what is that word you just said? E L A M ending. It is a. I make up words sometimes too. I know, um, but it's a, a thing that the basketball tournament TBT has done where they'll play 36 minutes and then set the target score for, I think seven points ahead of the leading scorer score, the leading team. So what you'll see is if a game is 69 to 69 and there's a dead ball with 330 left, they set the target score to 76. So what that what that um, incentivizes, especially in a game where that that's a bad example. Say it's sixty nine to sixty. Target score is seventy six. You're not letting the team with sixty points extend the game by fouling the team with sixty nine points, because if they go to the line, they get to seventy six sooner. So. That's some version of the mercy rule, potentially. I don't know. I don't know why I discussed it, but I would know. Has the TBT always done that? Because I've gone to TBT games. I've seen them in person. I don't. Yeah, think I've ever. They've done that. that. And the, the All Star game did it too. The NBA All Star game. They did the the Elam ending um, last year. I think what they did is uh, forty points over for the last quarter. So. It was some ridiculous score. It was like 150 to 136, and then you had to get to 190 to win. So the NIT should do it, in my opinion, but I think I don't think we'll see it get any mainstream um, acclaim because when you can see Demetric Trice score 19 points in 2 minutes and 30 seconds, you have to see that happen. I know. I just read it. I like. I didn't even know that happened, which shows goes to show you, like, kind of where Wisconsin basketball is nowadays. I realized it's a loss, but like, I didn't realize it happened until I read our comments. Um, <laughs> I'm still kind of wrapping my head around this. Does Elon stand for something? It is the Ball State professor who created it. <laughs> That's his last name. I think oh his first name is Nick. God. Yeah. Oh. While I have this dead time, there is a statistic. I'm going to bring it up in a column that I write, but I just want to tell this to you now. Guess how many Bills were in Iowa's top four scores the last time that they were ranked fifth in March? You mean like the first name is Bill? Their first name was Bill. Does that include Williams or Williams part of this? It's not a trick question. If you go to sports okay. reference, you'll find this answer. Four. Three. Oh. Carl Kane was the was the fourth. 
So our Iowa's top three scorers before Garza were all named Bill. On a team ranked as high as Oh, late. that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So which which team was this? Uh, 56. And let's 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 shout out the old guys. Yeah, let's do it. Let's remember some. Let's remember some guys. Let's remember some guys. All right. Sorry, I should have had this up. Um, oh my god. Uh, no, this is just one of those random things that I had in my head. 1956. I can get to it fast. All right. Remember some guys. Bill Logan, 17 points per game. Bill Seberg, 13 points per game. Bill Schuf, 10 points per game. Carl Kane, 15 points per game. Those are some good last names, to be honest. Seberg and and Schuf are great last names. Um, Who was the coach for this team? It was Bucky. Bucky O'Connor. Oh. Um, Yeah, that we should we should remember some guys more. Ben, it's been this this season's been too exciting to just get into remember some guys mode, but I'm glad we were able to remember the three Bills. Yeah, you're right. Bucky O'Connor only coached Iowa for eight years. Yeah. I, uh, I think I know why he stopped. But I, okay. I want to make sure that I get this right because, yeah, so here's why. Um. Sad news. Oh, yeah, he he yeah. passed away right in a in a car accident. Oh, at the age of forty four. Shit. Yeah. Yep. 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 Damn. All right. I should have known that. Why? I respect that you think you should have known that, but it is okay. A, it is a niche niche uh, trivia. But hey, sad. S- sooner or later, once we all get the jabs, your parents got the two jabs. We all get the jabs. We'll be able to go to to trivia night in the near future. So. You're right. I did. I drove. Oh, I, I did want to bring that up at the start of the podcast. I drove my parents to get their second vaccine to the where the Arizona Cardinals play the stadium. And it was like the most wonderful, clean, efficient experience I've ever experienced in my entire life. I cannot believe how smoothly um, them getting shot up with a needle went. Highly recommend it. I asked for a little asked if they had any vaccine about to expire out the back. They did not. So I'm still, I'm still uh, unshot, which is fine because I don't need it. Other people need it more than I do right now. I'll get it when it's, when it's allowed. We are currently in phase one B, which means people who are 65 and older and also childcare providers, which is nice because, uh, our child will be going to a child care provider in the next week or so. So that is, there you go. That is it. That is a a way to end this podcast. So Ben, anything else as we, as we uh, go quietly into the night? I mean, absolutely. You have to give us an update on top shot. Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Top. As you think you thought top shot. You thought you were going to get out of this without. No, 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 no. no. no I, I figured we'd we'd end up we'd have like an off season ramp podcast. But you're right, you're right. That we do need a top shot update. So, top shot minute, which will go ten minutes. <laughs> what they did a couple different things. I will say the 
I have grievances, but largely I think the the main one that I had was not being able to log in when drops were happening. I've rectified that somehow. I don't know if they fixed it or if I just simply got it. I joined a couple of drops, was well outside the range of getting the drops. That's fine. It's a lottery. It's whatever it is. But I do have to say they did one thing where they opened up the base pack. As I think I mentioned before, they were doing drops of 5,000. What they did here was a drop of 600,000. And the way that they did that was they've had drops in the 100,000 people joining the line. So people joined the line. They took their number like you would at a giant deli. And good, fine. Let's let's hope this thing goes smoothly. I got 27,000. Felt like a high number. Apparently was not. And... It's one of the rare times that we decided to like go have lunch outside at a restaurant. So I'm watching to see my number with 27,000 go down and down and down. So the drop happens at, I think, 10, no, noon my time. And okay, it's it's going down a little bit, going down. I think it's like 24,000. Linus paused. And it stays paused for a long time. So, like, this, imagine going, being, being number 120,000 and you're, you're experiencing all these random pauses. I, I, I had ordered my food and then ate. And then we get into the car. Christina wants to run an errand. So we stop and I check my phone to hang out in the back seat with Elliot. Tick, 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 And it's just taking forever. So I don't know how they're going to scale this thing because this was the one time they tried scaling and boy, like I said, imagine being any lower than I was. I probably would have left the queue, but it is, I, I just come back to, I don't know how this thing is going to scale. What they did is something that I think will make accelerate the way that it looks in the future, because like I had complained about before, the bubble was just so supply constrained that my Mike Conley um, layup had gotten up to like $60. I said I would sell it for like a hundred. Didn't sell it. Haven't sold it. It's stabilized in like the $20 range or whatever. And that's fine. That's fine. Like I said, it's a gamble. But the other thing about this drop that I forgot to mention was you didn't get it immediately. So they gave you the, it's like, hey, it'd be like at the deli counter. And they're like, all right, so you want this? We'll go ahead and send it to you in two weeks. It'll be on ice. You'll be fine. But you're not going to get it for a couple weeks. So like I said, I just don't know how, how this thing's going to look when it's scaled. Because it, it can't look like like what it is right now. But I don't know. I don't get it. So, but do you know what you're getting in two weeks, or is it like you're getting? A, I want it. Yeah, I want a pastrami, but they're sending me matzo ball soup. Good question. So, what it would be like is you go up to the deli counter and you're like, "I want a pack," and they're like, "Okay, we'll send it to you in two weeks." And it's not like one of those Omaha steaks. 
packs where you know exactly what you're getting. You might get the full, full oh, it's a, you might get it's, the filet mignon, a, but you also might get the matzo ball soup, like you said. You might get the dessert. So it's a, it's a what do we call them? Were they booster packs or blister? Basically, packs? yeah, booster pack. Um, oh, can I ask like why? I don't understand like why they just don't give it to you right away. That's a that's the million dollar question, Ben. I do not know. I don't. Is it just probably to create suspense? I guess like we're all we're a generation and a society that's all only instant gratification now. I guess so. Is this trying to pull the push that we've been experiencing in every other form of our lives? Yeah. So I I, I don't know why because alleged allegedly these highlights have been minted to be delivered, but I think you make a good point. Do am I getting the pack that was assigned to me that they already know what is inside of there and I'm getting it in two weeks? Or is it conspiracy corner? Or is it they're gonna give the good things to the people that they like? Um who knows? They probably won't give me the good things if they listen to this podcast. I don't know why they would. I can be bought though, Top Shot. I can be bought. I mean, when you say people they like, you mean like influencers? They don't. Okay, uh, so here's another thing. The God damn it. The Metallic Gold Limited Edition was a the one that I mentioned before, where it was allegedly 11,631 packs. Join the drop, 10,631 packs. Where's that 1,000 packs going? Ben, you know where they're going. They're going to the people that they like. Stop the count. Um, Stop the count. You say, you say, I just want to take one more jab at you. You say what? Yes. These highlights have been minted. Was that the word you used? It's the word that they use, Ben. So it's the word I it's use. It's funny. You say, these, you say these highlights have been minted. I hear these YouTube clips have been streamed. 100%, Ben. That is, that is absolutely fair. Now, the case, the case again, no, no, no. If I say what I'm about to say, it's too propagandy. <laughs> I can't defend it, Ben. I, I just can't defend it. So I just have to accept if you, how silly if you this say is. It, I will, if you say it, I'll name drop the running backs coach whose name I smeared. No, I know who it is. I'm not going to. Okay. I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, last question about when you're in the queue when you yeah. were saying you're in the queue out to lunch and everything, is this a constant refresh situation or do you get a notification? Oh no, that's a good question. So you're seeing it tick down. So you're not having to refresh. I was scared as hell to refresh because I didn't want that refresh to take me from like 18,000 back to the end of the line. And honestly, you know what this is? This is that episode of Seinfeld. The soup Nazi. That's what this is, in a way. I've been thinking. I've been thinking about the the black and white episode. The uh, oh yeah, the bakery, the the vodka episode. Uh, chocolate in the back of my mind. You're right. So, yeah. so all that's gonna happen is in two weeks, I'm gonna eat my black and white cookie, and I'm gonna get a stomach ache. Uh, last question. Another last question. Well, I, I guess I didn't mean refresh. It's like. 
you have to do have to pay attention to your phone this whole time. Otherwise, you can miss your chance in line. Is what, I'm, is what my 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 main question. You're not going to go from eighteen thousand to one hundred. It, it it was taking an aggressively long time. Um, there was the first mint. They are like the people who get this more than anyone. And I just follow them on Twitter because uh, they know they have the inside intel, whatever. But um, they were saying, I think it was going at like a pace of maybe 10,000 to 20,000 per hour. So it was not moving quickly, not moving quickly at all. So like me being at 27,000, it took... Yeah, like somewhere between two hours. And I think JP, if he's listening, he, he'll chime in with his number and how long it took him because eventually he got it. And I think he was in the 100,000s. Um, who is the man? Is, is Adam Silver the man behind the curtain here? Or is it like their marketing team or what is it? I would wager that it's Adam Silver who because because ultimately like this is this thing has been signed off by the highest levels the NBA is put back in behind it which I'm not sure if it's in conjunction with the NBPA but I would assume that if the NBA is getting money any revenue generated is money that's eventually going to the players association that's a question I have who gets the money? So, like LeBron James, his his cards are going for a lot of money. His excuse me, his his moments are going for a lot of money. The five percent that goes to the NBA does it go into a pot for to be split up amongst MBPA players, or does all of the like if a hundred thousand dollars is sold for LeBron and the what is it five thousand dollars that ends up going to the NBA, if it's split, like all revenue is like 50, 50, call it. Does that $2,500 go to LeBron? I think it does. That would be my guess. Or does that $2,500 go to players? And then it's split up amongst the players somehow. Like, as I've said, I have as many questions as you. Do you think we'll see this for all four sports leagues now? Here's where it's going to be brutal is like, it's going to happen not just with all sports leagues. It's also going to happen with movies and things like that. Like there will be Marvel moments in the future. And that's, I mean, cause it, like think of the moment as a figurine, right. Or a comic book. That's the thing that I don't understand is why isn't there actually comic books that are being created and minted online as these non-fungible tokens or whatever that actually has some value in a way that if we're being realistic, these moments do not Um, (laughs) like, that's what I don't get is like, if, if you, if there are 6,000 comic books available and you get one of the 6,000, that should, that feels like the right potential path for this to go instead of, YouTube clips being being streamed. 
Oh, uh, that just made me very sad to hear. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm, but my opinion doesn't change. This this is Pokemon cards. It is. It it it's one hundred percent Pokemon cards. And the problem is too, I guess. Once the I feel like once the NFL gets into this, it's game over. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't know. Like the the thing that's probably actually going to set it over the edge might be baseball because I I feel like baseball cards have the highest value. Weirdly, um, that's a little antiquated, though. Don't you think? Yeah, but it's it's what it is. But I mean, to your point, like when a Mickey Mantle card sells for a million dollars, I think this is a point you made. It's not like you know that there are fifteen thousand other ones out there like exist with these these moments. You don't know how many of the Mickey Mantle cards still exist in the condition that that Mickey Mantle card has been kept for years and years. So I just don't understand, like, if you truly view it as an investment, it's just not going to have the same oomph that a Mickey Mantle card will because you don't know how many exist of those when you know exactly how many exist of these moments. Okay. Sounds like artificial price fixing, but it, yes. Who am I? Like I said, Ben, in, in, in our first discussion about this, I called it a racket. I stand by it as a racket, but I'm going to try it out as I have. As you know, I'm really looking forward to you being a guinea pig. It will not be the first time, I'm sure. Yeah. So, we know. Well, that was it. That that's it. Uh, the top shot discussion went on uh, five minutes longer than I expected. It's fine. It's fine. Exactly as long as I expected for its worth. Okay. Well, I, I feel like this is just going to be what it is. Um, if people are afraid of the length of this podcast, I think we almost need to say the last fifteen minutes are exclusive top shot discussion. And don't be Ooh, afraid of it. Make a paywall. Let's make a paywall. Make a pay. Yeah, <laughs> oh man, the, there there was well, I guess there there are multiple paywalls. There are a lot of paywalls when you think about it for Iowa sports. We're, we're one of the few that one hundred percent don't. I guess us and Hawkeye Nation and, and the new that I think that's a discussion that we need to have is the the new Hawkeye podcast. That's that that intrigues me. But John Miller and Mark Morehouse are snarfing on our turf. Yeah. That 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 rapscallion Mark Morehouse. It's just the two of them on it. So I I watched um the live stream they had after the Michigan game, and there is a third shadow ad guy that John Miller didn't want to share the name of because he had not cleared sharing it. But I will say the the neat thing about what they are trying to do is get local business involved in a way that is easy not to have involved when you're building a website. So um, like I said, I'm just curious to see how that rolls rolls with them because I think they're, they're, they're two interesting figures, especially if, if Morehouse has um, 
the the gumption to do some some pretty cool things. I think I think it can be pretty cool. And that is us advertising for our competitor. We can cut this, but we probably won't. <laughs> I am I haven't like looked at it at all, so I'm actually curious. I'm more curious. I'm honestly, you did a good job advertising. So I'm very more curious. I'm more curious to me what you. I'm more curious to learn about what you mean when you say local business and the whatever the Morehouse aspect of what he could do. Well, I just I, I just think like if he he doesn't have to have a deadline or hit a word count and can probably do video in a way that he well, hasn't he be, necessarily he, he tried biased, before. Yeah. So he can be biased. Doesn't have to be a, a you know quote unquote unbiased journalist now. I guess. I also think that the interesting thing is he he's been very he's been much more active in the Iowa sports realm even before this, especially when it came to basketball. I, I, like I said, I just think it's I, I just think it's interesting because they are two known quantities in a way that I mean I still have a pseudonym technically, so yeah, <laughs> that is that for. The Pants Party for Ben Ross, for myself, Harrison Starr, for our competitors. Go Hawks. <laughs> uh, what if we did a collab, like a blog collab, Top Shot? Oh, boy. <laughs>